This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Good morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Karen Chatton from Gardnerville, Nevada. And you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for February 13th, episode 1872. Good morning, Horse World. When your start time's on Saturday and your finish time's on Sunday, and it doesn't get much better than best conditioned... And completing the challenge is the challenge. You're an endurance rider. Let me ride through the wide open country that I love. But don't fence me in. Let me be by myself in the evening breeze. Listen to the murmur of the cottonwood trees. Send me Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this Endurance Day here on Horses in the Morning. And I guess you figured out we're not live today, but the show is out, ready for you to listen to. We have a brand new episode for you. It's not a best of. Karen is really here. (laughs) I am. Well, really here, sort of. We recorded ahead of time because we're on the cruise. (laughs) So uh, that's why we're we're pre-recording this episode. But we thank you for joining us today. Endurance is always one of the most popular episodes we do every month. And Karen's been doing it for like 16 years now. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You know how you have mileage uh, on your horses? (laughs) Well, you have mileage here too, Karen. Here, you've you've reco- now officially recorded more podcasts than most podcasters do in their lifetime. Uh, wow! I think the average I know, it's so now fun, is though. ten or twelve, love, and then they quit. So, yes, I love getting to talk to all of these guests. They're so fun, and you know, endurance riders, and I think most horse people in general are just you know, friendly and fun, and it's great to share their stories with everybody. It is one of the cool parts about our job, you know? We get to, we t- get to talk to the neatest people in the horse world. We do. For sure. Well, we uh, Jennifer's off today, uh, so we're going to tell them what's coming up. What is coming up? Well, I'm going to start off talking a little bit about sharing the trails with multiple users so we can all stay safe. Then we're going to be talking about the latest endurance horse research on equine hydration and also longevity for the rider, how to keep ourselves going long term. Mm, I need that. I'm falling apart. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we all need that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, great. Well, that sounds terrific. And let's get started. Uh, Well, you've you've had some adventures in the last month, haven't you? (laughs) Well, this last week, I went through clipper hell with trying to do a body clip on Chief because we haven't really had a winter here. It's like the the opposite (laughs) of last year. You're the only place. Right. We're up into the 60s, like all week. It's sunny. It's dry. Um, You know, my horses were like, you know, shaggy beasts. And so I really would have wanted to clip two of them. But I was having all these clipper meltdowns with my big Oster Clipmaster clippers, which are like 20 some years old. And when they work, they're wonderful. And so I'm going to ask You do know you have to replace the blades, right? Oh, yes. It's a brand new blade. Okay. I have a oh, brand new blade checking. on it. I didn't know if you were using the same blades for 20 years. Right. And last year, I replaced the yoke on it. 
And we've taken it all apart. My husband's really good at fixing everything and fiddled and fiddled and fiddled with it. It made all these different adjustments. You know, I oil it. I use cool lube with it. Um, but it just was bogging down. It just doesn't want to work like it should. And and so I'm asking any of the listeners, if you guys know of some place where I can send these things. You They're know, 20 the- years old, Karen. It's time to buy a new pair. Yeah, but they're hundreds of dollars. Yeah, and but they're 20 years old. The motor's giving I, out. The thing is dying. No, the motor's running fine. See, that's just it. There, It's something. I'm hoping something can be fixed, but you're right. It, they could just be worn out because I've done <laughs> dozens and dozens and dozens. No, of probably hundreds. <laughs> yeah, so we ended up, my poor horse, he's so good natured. I had my junior, who's like 11 years old, um, help me. And I ended up with these two little cordless clippers that you would use like maybe on a small animal and dog we were both going to work on poor chief, you know, um, yeah, and luckily like somebody the big... to sheared him with, <laughs> with oh dog my clippers. Gosh, thank, thank God he's, um, uh, flea bitten gray because you can't really see. Thank God we weren't trying to do the bay horse because he would have looked just, <laughs> I would have been too embarrassed. He would have been, you know, covered up for months but um so we just went to work on him with the little clippers and when they would run out of power we'd come in and recharge him and go ride for two or three hours and then come back and you know finish up and it took us two days to do this but we finally got him done and um you know he doesn't actually how look many blades did you go through on the little ones um well we had to keep recharging them because they they only run for like half hour 40 minutes oh, yeah. And so, but it was just, oh my gosh, clipper hell. And so you're right. I definitely need to look into getting some more clippers. And even my little A5s that I use for just, you know, small touch-ups, even they quit working. Well, you've had those for 20 years too. Probably bought them at the same time. Uh, probably pretty close. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, that's probably an endurance rusted shut you. is what's happened. They're just old. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... I know. <laughs> Poor horse. So, um, yeah, but it makes it, it's just so nice when they're clipped and it's in the sixties and you're going out riding because before we would come home and poor chief, it'd be nine o'clock at night and I'd have to go out and put a blanket on him because he was soaking All still right, you're wet. You're really making everybody mad that's been in sub zero for the last <laughs> uh, three months. I know. Sorry. Well, we paid our dues last winter. <laughs> Isn't it amazing, though? You're not too far from where everybody is having Sub-Zero. It's just amazing how that works. Um, exactly. Yeah. It's it's crazy how, how nice the the weather is. But if I want to go to another region to, to ride like I'm going to in a couple more weeks, <clears throat> you know, it's been down in the up into the 70s and 80s down in Southern California. And you can't take a horse with you know two inch long hair no. coat and go ride a 50 on them no <clears throat> so yeah we we got that done and it was just we were we were just so disgusted <laughs> with ourselves <laughs> that it took so long now you also uh went gopro for a while trying them out didn't you we have been we <clears throat> kaylee just got a a GoPro and I already had one and I hadn't really used it much because, you know, like I kept telling her, they're kind of a pain in the you know rear because, you know, unless you have the watch to control it with, you don't, if it's on your helmet, you don't always know that it's really recording mm-hmm. or if it's off and you have to be really careful about moving your head or you just can't yeah, stand can't, to watch the you video. You can't go later. under that low, low branch uh, like exactly. you normally do. <laughs> I know. And if you're riding for hours after a while, the weight of the 
um, the camera and the, you know, the cover for it and everything starts to bother you, you know, on your helmet. And, and you so can't put it on your, your person because it bounces too much. We tried that. We have a lot of video of Bo's neck and of the sky. Yeah, and then we, and then we tried much. it with the selfie stick and we have like a 12 minute video of the inside of the saddlebag. <laughs> There you so, go. It's like, yeah, we, the good thing is, is we can just keep practicing as much as we want. <laughs> We're not, I'm not posting any of these videos. I'm not going to subject the rest of the world to have to, to watch. That's why everybody always ends up with them on their helmet. I know. Yeah, I know. But you're right. I mean, you guys, especially if you're riding through the woods and stuff, you would normally say, I can just let that branch brush over my helmet. You know, I can, I, right. I can get real close to it. And, uh-huh. and it will, will hurt, but right, you might end up, you know, hanging from the branch, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, with the GoPro, on or else it just plucks the the whole thing, thing right, right off, off your, your head. head. <laughs> yep, <laughs> there went that two hundred dollar camera. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> well, I just watched. I have a friend that's going to go see the Spanish Riding School in September, oh, and wow. so we watched Miracle of the White Stallions. Oh yeah, yeah. And I'm sure you've seen it. Mm-hmm. I mean, think? I think you've seen every movie that has a horse in it. Yeah, whether I want to or not. <laughs> exactly. It was actually pretty good. It was, you know, a moving story. And it was just, of course, kind of fun to watch them perform. And, That's uh, a whole movie, too, isn't it? The whole, Yes, it's from, I think, the 60s. It's a Disney movie. There was just a book out um, that talked about those horses. To, what was the book called, Jennifer? The one about the stallions in the Vienna and World War II? The perfect, the perfect horse. Yeah, the perfect horse. It's a book that uh, chronicles the same story, only it was really, really um, well done. I mean, the book is just excellent. Uh, it's excellent book. I highly recommend oh, it to cool. anybody, even if you're not interested in the White Stallions. It's a good army military book, you know, from World War II. Oh, I'll look yeah. into it. It went into great detail. Yeah. I interviewed a bunch of people that were still alive, and it, it's uh, it's really good. I mean, you just have to really appreciate the amount, the years and years of work that go into getting those horses to perform it, like they do. Well, and the it's things just, they went through during World War II was unbelievable. Just, I know. Unbelievable. And they kept them, though. But Patton was the one that ended up save, saving the day there. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. yeah that was With a very dangerous of, mission to rescue horses. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, especially that many of them. Yeah. I mean, that, that really was... I mean, there was um, a lot lost, but they saved, uh, some, especially some of the breeding stallions and stuff. Um, but there were quite a few lost in World War II, too. Right. Was, and they got the mares all out of yeah. Czechoslovakia at the yeah. end. That was you gotta awesome. Wa- you got to read the book. Yeah. I highly recommend it. The Perfect Horse. Okay. The Perfect Horse. Yep. It's not... You mean it's not about one of mine? No. It's not. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. Sorry, my, Yeah. No. <laughs> never... <laughs> I'm not offended. I would not call my horses perfect. <laughs> so now, um, you're, you found a Facebook group uh, for endurance riders? For us, for vintage Yes, endurance I did, riders. for endurance riders over the age of 50. And I remember when they first started the group, I wasn't 50 yet. This was, you know, a long time ago, right? And so now I'm over Now you can 50, join? So, so now I could join. I, did, I just didn't feel And you know like what else you start getting was... into the age of 50 is three times a week in the mail, uh, you get the... Uh, you get certain uh, mail for a certain group. The AARP. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That starts at yeah. the age of 50 and continues they forever. They sending you those things all the time. I know. And so um, I think we can maybe just post the, the link to the group or you can search for endurance 
competing for writers over 50. And you can find it that way. And it's um, quite a bit, of, a large number of people because, you know, let's face it, most of the endurance writers are aging. A lot of us are over 50 now. There's We have writers that are in their 60s, 70s, and even 80s that are still competing. And now you, you have the 20 mule team coming up your way? Yes, I do. And I've done this ride over and over and over, over the years. I've done the 100 on it several times, the 65 and the 50. And so... Has um, the 20 mule team ever showed up at this ride? <laughs> you know, uh, I've seen pictures of the 20 mule team, but I know, no. but we are riding over the trails that they hauled their borax in and out yeah, of the valley. a lot of valley. people don't realize with, that that really was a thing. It's with, not just the commercial. It really was, yeah. yes. And this is a long time And it was time more ride. than 20 mules in many cases. It was... 40 and 50 mules. I mean, it was crazy numbers. Right. Yeah. Amazing. And Amazing. that was what they did. So, they hold borax. That was... Yes. <laughs> yep. In and out of Death Valley in, in the desert in harsh conditions. And so uh, that's what I'm planning next with my junior rider. And so I hope to take both horses and um, hopefully winter doesn't decide to show up. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's what happens when your winter comes. You're going to have a snowstorm. Exactly. Exactly. Well, so, now your so. endurance tip for the month is something right. that I got to mention here. So what happened here is there is a, there's what's called the Florida Greenway. And of course, a lot of your endurance riders are in the Cala right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Florida Greenway runs from, it. they originally were going to, to put a waterway. They were going to put uh, a canal from the Gulf of Mexico across the state, right through Ocala, over to right above Daytona Beach and to the Atlantic Ocean. So like they have the Panama Canal, they were going to put the Florida Canal. And this was back in the early 1900s. So they started construction. They bought the land. So there's a strip of land that goes all the way from the Gulf, all the way across the state, as I said, right through Ocala, and then over to where Daytona Beach is. And they were going to put this canal in. And that was because then you wouldn't have to go around the southern part of Florida. You could just cut it off and it'd be quicker. And they had a lot of money back then. Well, the money dried up about, uh, you know, a quarter way into the project, and they had dug <laughs> a lot of the canal, and they just left it. It just, they just stopped construction. So all across Florida, you had trees taken down, you had these huge holes dug into the ground, oh, no. and they just quit. So Florida then said, well, let's make this a park. So it's the Florida Greenway. It's a linear park that goes all the way across the state. Now, in that park, it's all grown up now, but they still have those huge dug holes. They're the biggest hills in Florida, but they're actually down. They're not up. Um, so they put trails in, and they put horse trails, and they put bike trails, and they put people trails separate from each other. They have separate trails, and they're all marked. Okay. And they have all these beautiful trailheads with camping. You can stay. You can camp. They have water for the horses, places to park, your trailers, bathroom, real bathrooms, all these trailheads all the way along. Well, then somebody said, well, you know, we'll get more use out of it if we take one of the trails and we pave it. And that is what they did recently. They paved one of the trails. Well, the horses crossed the paved trails. uh, And now the horse people are all upset because the bikers use the paved trails and go really fast because that's what you do on a paved trail when you're on a bike. Right. So now we have horses crossing and bikers, and it, it's just created this huge mess here in, in Ocala uh, about oh, these paved oh, no. trails. And what you're going to talk about is trail etiquette for all trail users. Well, it doesn't, you know, that's one of the things we're dealing with right now is how, how do you educate the bikers about horse? You know, one of the things is people just don't know. 
Right. A lot of bikers just think your horse is like their bike. You know, it's going to do whatever you tell it to do. Um, Right. Yeah. Yeah, Yes. They don't realize, you know, and they don't always want to talk to you. They're, they're, you know. Well, they're doing 40 miles an hour. They're focused. (laughs) Right. They're focused on what they're doing. And a lot of times they're looking down because they need to be seeing what's right in front of them. You know what? That rock jumps out. They're off, too. They're getting bucked off, too. Um. <laughs> exactly. And like, if you're on a narrow trail, the, the cool thing, this video that I found on Vimeo, we'll post the link for it. Um, it's done really well because it shows all the different types of trail users and proper etiquette, such as if you are on a bike or hiking, you don't want, and there's a narrow trail with a drop off. You want to try to get out of the way of the horse. If you encounter horses on the downhill side. So if the horse does kind of jump you know, from seeing you or maybe your dog or whatever, the the horse will be jumping to the uphill side rather than off of a cliff. (laughs) And and so they did a good job in that video showing how that actually works and how, you know, the best way to approach a horse, whether it's, you know, when they're coming towards you or you are approaching them from behind, you know, to talk to them and to slow down and, you know, just, you know, take 30 seconds, a minute, however long it takes to, you know, pass safely. And and that's what is the most important thing to remember when dealing with all these other trail users. And this works for the horse people too. We have to be, you know, stay safe and always be polite to others and not take unnecessary risks. Because as we know, accidents are basically unplanned and they happen in an instant. And, um, you know, but it doesn't take very much time to be considerate and to try to stay safe. So this video is really nice and I urge people to watch it and to share it with your family and your friends, especially those that aren't familiar with horses and how to handle encountering horses on a trail. One of the cute things this week was um, I we encountered these two neat little ladies out for a walk and they Actually, they saw the horses and they jumped off to the side of the road and says, oh, let us get out of the way. We don't want to scare your horses. And I thought, oh, (laughs) you know, if they only knew what my horses have seen and done. And then 10 minutes later, I'm riding up to some, you know, three men that are shooting guns on the trail to tell them that they're shooting into a trail. And and so, um, you know, but to, to be given a preference, I'd rather have the people that are a little over polite or extra cautious because they didn't know that it could have been young green horses that might have spooked at two people that are just walking. Mm-hmm. So, um, it, yes, share this video. It's um, you can tell they put a lot of effort into it, and um, and it was uh, kind of fun. And um, we'll have the link up for it. Good, cool. I think and you know, an education is the only answer there. But exactly. how do you educate the whole world, which is basically what it comes down to, right? Exactly. I mean, yeah. You know, and I've talked about trail <clears throat> etiquette between, you know, groups of people all on horses. But, you know, it's also really, really important to, um, you know, put forth good trail etiquette towards every other user out there so that you give them a good um you know, opinion and experience as well with encountering horses. Like, oh, if there's kids, I'll stop and let the kids pet my horse. And they love that. They love petting the horse and and knowing the horse's name and, um, you know, and the horses like it too. So, you know, try to um, leave a good lasting impression. 
Very good. Well, up next is Kristen from the Distance Depot for her monthly visit. This time we're talking about helmets and helmet visors. Well, hello, Kristen. Thank you for joining us again. How are you doing today? Just fine. Thanks so much for having me. And I'm kind of excited to get to talk about helmets with you this month because helmets are something that endurance riders definitely use a lot of. And I think um, more and more equestrians are starting to use them because they've gotten more stylish and comfortable over the years. Um, So tell us a little bit about your helmets. Absolutely. Yes, they have gotten a lot more comfortable sometimes, and you you wear a helmet all the time, I know, so you're probably feeling the same way I do. I, oftentimes, I have it on my head, and I, you know, you doing stuff, and I'm there. thinking, I could take my helmet off. <laughs> so, they're pretty, they're pretty comfortable, and they have a lot of vents nowadays for um, airflow, um, which makes it even more comfortable when it's hot out. Um, so, we have several styles, of course. Um, we have a Fallon Taylor helmet, um, which comes in really fun, um, bright designs. And this is a helmet that um, your listeners will get to hear. We are actually offering at 30% off. So um, it's a pretty good price point. Um, At that, we're going to close out some of these designs and just um, narrow it down to a few. So what we have on on the website will be available when you add it to your shopping cart. so they're a nice helmet, too, because they have that um, dial-a-fit. So okay. if, if your head is sort of in between or you're having, you know, a day where you're like, wow, this just feels a little tight, you can loosen it up. Or if you're, you have someone come to ride with you, it's a nice helmet um, feature. On right, the or you have you just adjust. a little headband around to keep your ears warm or something. Yeah, yep, you can adjustable. let it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, I have so. one of those, and my junior actually rides in one, too. Yeah, it's a nice feature. Um, then we have the Tipperary Sportage, which we have had. It's the 8500. We've had this helmet for many, many years. There have been a few um, redesigns of the helmet, but um, this is a design they've set on. It's a nice helmet. I like the fact that it covers so much um, of the back of your head because oftentimes when you come off, it, it's oh, either right. off to the side or off backwards. And so there's a lot, it offers a lot of protection um, for the, you know, lower back part of your head. Right. And equestrian nice. helmets are designed to cover more of the head versus say a bike helmet. Right. Those, yeah. And, and you have to be back. careful with some of those helmets out there. I mean, they're all readily available and the prices vary all over the place. The helmets that we have are ASTMI certified, meaning that they um, all meet the safety standards in the U.S. for equestrian riding. So that's the type of helmet you want to get, certainly, so that you're protected the best way, um, of course. We have some extra small helmets for the kids. Um, We do offer that. And then we have a new helmet, well, fairly new, new to us, um, the Tipperary 8700 Sportage, and it has um, some fun colors in mm-hmm. the liner, so it sticks through and out of the black, so um, a way to get a little color and still um, have, you know, have the nice look of a classic helmet. Right, and I like those. They're kind of lower profile. They're not as large. They, yeah, is, they are. Which is kind of nice. And then um, let's also mention your visors that you have. Okay. Well, we offer several different kinds. Um, a popular one, and I think you ride in one, is the Endurance to Brim. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it offers great coverage for anyone who's concerned about staying out of the sun, you know, protecting your ears, your face, and the back of your neck. So it covers all around the circumference of the helmet, um, mm-hmm. really shading you. And they're nice because they lock onto the helmet so well that you can canter. The wind doesn't blow them back so that you have this big <laughs> floppy um, mask right, caught right. by the wind. They really do stay in place. Yes, and they're easy to take on or off. So if it is a windy day, you can remove it if you want to and then easily, you know, put it back on and just cinch yeah. it down. And they do stay on if you get it cinched down nice. Yeah. And it's also nice in the rain because it, yes, it causes the rain to just sort of... Um, you know, flow down your your back, hopefully under right. your you know rain jacket, and uh, and so that's another nice benefit. Of yes, these, these it, it, it is nice those. that way. It isn't going down the back of your collar. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and we also have the salamander helmet beak visor, so that will stick onto nearly any helmet. It's a two-way Velcro system, so you would apply the tape to the front of the helmet, and then the um, sticky um, part of the um, Velcro goes against the helmet, and then the visor itself would stick onto that with the Velcro system. So it's pretty nice as well. It doesn't offer near the protection the um, debrim or the petite debrim, which is just a little bit smaller. Um, but it's a nice if someone wants just a little coverage for the front um, and doesn't want the you know circumference of that debrim on their helmet. It's a nice. Um, Everybody's visor. seen Karen with that on, right? <laughs> Jennifer wears yeah, them too. Jennifer wears that uh, the big does one. Does she? Yeah. yeah it ha- well, in it Florida, sure you know, in the hot yeah. in the summer. <laughs> the sun, su- sunshine state. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, Debrim does offer a visor set too. It's bigger than the hel- than the salamander helmet beak, so it's a nice system too, and it sort of attaches to the helmet the same way as the Debrim, but just doesn't have the coverage in the back. So. Um, right, and I switch. Yes, I switch between those depending on the weather conditions and stuff, which right. is, uh, yeah, a very, um, you know, practical way to do it. Okay, so if somebody was interested in ordering any of these items from you, how would they get in touch? Well, they can call us toll free eight six six eight six three two three four nine, or of course visit our website thedistancedepot.com. Okay, well, thank you for joining us again. Thanks so much. Thanks, Kristen. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Okay, my next guest is Dr. Jerry Gillespie. He has been an AERC endurance rider since 1966. He is a veterinarian and head of the AERC Research Committee, and we are going to be talking to him about his recent research projects. Um, on AERC endurance horses. So, w- welcome to the show, Dr. Gillespie. Nice to be with you. Well, tell us a little bit about your recent research that you've been doing. Well, it's been known uh, generally that uh, horses that do endurance work, particularly in hot, dry climates, are very susceptible to dehydration by way of the loss of uh, water from their bodies in the sweat that is needed to dissipate heat from their body. And separately, it's been shown that horses that are transported are also subject to uh, dehydration by way of uh, 
not having access to water, but also because of sweating and loss of water. So we were curious about what state of affairs they're in when they uh, actually are transported from home, spend uh, maybe a night uh, before a race, and then start the race the next day. And as uh, the race goes on, we know that they dehydrate, but they will have started with a much lower hydration level than we supposed in the past before we took into account the transportation dehydration. Mm-hmm. So our, our most recent studies have really focused on looking at what we're calling the absolute hydration level in these horses uh, using their home weight uh, as their normal or homeostatic weight. And um, so that's the... Uh, question that we were asking and how this uh, dehydration related to the distances that that they travel, the temperatures in their trailers, and a number of other uh, things that we could measure to see if we could begin to look at ways to improve their transportation, but also take into account uh, the horse's hydration and the danger that it might put them in at the start of an endurance ride. And then built in there is the whole issue of uh, rest periods uh, after arrival at the uh, race site. Is there time uh, for them to rehydrate? And what we found is that certainly not within the 24 hours that is usual before they start a ride. And then the other question that we ask is, well, what happens when there's a two-day ride and we know that they, or we suspected that they would not have time to rehydrate overnight and then they would start the ride on the second day at a new level of dehydration and um, what would be the uh, hydration level at the end of that second day? And what we found is that the horses do not recover uh, overnight to their hydration level and that they do, in fact, continue to uh, suffer higher degrees or greater levels of dehydration. So do you so have any... This. Go ahead. Um, I was just going to ask, do you have any recommendations for um, an endurance rider or even a trail rider that travels, say, for eight hours or more to a ride or to an event, how long do do you think we should try to get there ahead of time so that they can recover the best, you know, way possible? Well, I, uh, one of the recommendations uh, uh, that we would have is that uh, if you're going to be traveling uh, over eight hours, be sure and stop and offer the animal uh, familiar feed and, if possible, familiar water uh, at least midway in an eight-hour journey, if not more. Okay. Uh, what we found, interestingly, in the travel is that we had a control group of horses from Los Angeles that were traveling uh, th- the 350 miles to a r- ride in Northern California. And we brought them all uh, in the same uh, commercial vehicle. 
and so we had 10 horses traveling together in a vehicle. And one of the things that uh, we have to be careful about in doing research is that we protect the animals and try and keep the race circumstances the same as they uh, normally would be. So in that instance, we stopped twice and offered the horses feed and water. And another group of horses were brought by the owners from Auburn, which was um, a a much shorter uh, ride, about four-hour ride. None of them stopped uh, because that wasn't their practice to do so. And interestingly enough, per mile, the horses from Auburn lost more water than the horses uh, from Los Angeles. Mm. And uh, and the difference, of course, uh, we think, is there's probably several things. One is that uh, the commercial van probably was more comfortable. Uh, and um, the other thing that these horses in the van were face-to-face and they watched each other eat uh, out of shared bags. And um, I think that was... And they had plenty of space to eat. And um, so we think that probably uh, encouraged them to drink when we stopped. And the other thing that we noticed is that the horses would watch each other drink and then they seemed more willing to drink uh, than than is usual for a horse that's traveling. So those are a bit speculative, but uh, the data actually show that the longer trip from L.A. was easier on the horses than the shorter trip. Uh, and those are some of the reasons we think it was. That's um, interesting. Yeah. In terms of your qu- more specific questions, um, uh, we don't really have data to show how long it would take. We know for sure that 24 hours is not sufficient um, for, for uh, recovery uh, from most trips for most horses uh, beyond are you still there? Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, beyond, uh, uh, you know, what we usually do, if it's more than an hour, we like to have a home weight. If it's less than uh, an hour, there's no difference in the home and the travel. So, you know, if you're traveling for a half a day or more, uh, then you can anticipate, and most horses, they will be behind start the ride. So what is, so what, what do you do? Get there earlier or what do you do? Well, I think it really is useful to um, get there earlier. Uh, We have done that for other reasons uh, in our own uh, horses as try to arrive, uh, uh, giving us a full day before the ride at the ride site. So, if the ride's on Saturday, we try to arrive on Thursday. Uh, and part of that we do because we want the horses to uh, accustom themselves to the environment and get us settled in and get the horses settled in. And I, and we suspect that that will um, improve their hydration. Um, I didn't mention earlier, we've done this on a limited distance, 50 milers, and most recently on the Virginia City 100 and by and large the the data is, all shows the same thing 
Um, in the 100-mile ride, and this was known from some studies long ago on Tevis, horses lose less uh, water on that second half of the 100-mile. The and there's probably several reasons for that. It's generally cooler. And by then, the adrenaline is gone, and they're probably drinking better mm-hmm. uh, at the end. But they're still, they're still in a negative balance uh, in terms of hydration, even through the last of the 100-mile ride. Wow, that's interesting. How long does it take, say, after they finished the Virginia City 100 to fully recover? We don't know. Uh, okay. We uh, tried to weigh the horses before they left home. And, you know, you do this uh, with the goodwill of the rider, and most of them are very anxious to get packed, get out, and go. And so we didn't get a lot of data, but we know that the horses that we did weigh were still in negative hydration 24 hours later. So, but I don't know uh, is how long after they get home do they remain that way. And we'd like to do that, uh, but again, uh, that takes a lot of cooperation and extra uh, fiddle uh, for right, the writers. Right. Yeah. Well, yes, because people are going back home all over, you know, all different yeah. distances yeah. and locations and and stuff. Exactly. Yeah, there's. We tried uh, to get home weights by going to the Auburn area because there are several horses that would be going to the Virginia City 100, and we were able to collect more home weights by doing that. Uh, but, um, you know, again, it, it takes an extra effort and uh, willingness on riders' part to even right. do that. So, so we're planning... Uh, we're that we can do this on the Tevis. Uh, we we have an application in, and hopefully we'll be able to um, uh, repeat the study there because Virginia City uh, was actually it was cold. The temperature was down near uh, the high 30s, and but most of the time in the 40s and uh, low 50s. So uh, the heat stress was not anything like what we had on the 50 mile rides. Oh, okay. Is there any correlation at all between experience of the horses? We've looked at that, and uh, we need more numbers, but I, the data suggests that, yes, there is. I, and uh, my uh, hypothesis is that that's what's going to make a difference uh, in uh, owners caring for the horses is to really part of their training is going to be uh, conditioning these horses to accept riding in the trailer comfortably and drinking and eating while in transport. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, you know, that just takes some familiarity. And uh, uh, my experience is that, uh, it, and it's kind of a mystery, is there are horses that willingly drink and some who refuse to drink until 20 miles into the ride. And so uh, there's lots we have to learn about behavioral things in the horse. Right. Yes, they're very complicated, aren't they? 
<laughs> they are. They they really are. Um, uh, and it's so hard to make- it's so hard to have that control. You're right. It's so hard to have the control group during a race like this. It's it's there's just yeah, so many variables. Right. Yeah. And yeah, we have a lot of detailed data about how um, the ride goes for different riders when in terms of timing events and their horses uh, cardiovascular changes and things like that. And again, it's, it's interesting. Um, the correlation isn't really very high between the degree of dehydration and, and, uh, dysfunction, uh, at the vet checks. And, uh, mm-hmm. we're still looking at that, but I think it goes back to your question is, uh, what is the experience of the horse? And, um, it's, and uh, the experience of the rider and how well they sort of commingle their uh, skills and uh, behaviors in getting a horse through. And what about the other thing that I would think would be a factor too? We had this discussion uh, the other day on the show: is breed. Do Arabs fare well? Better, do Arabs and Mustangs fare better than other breeds, or is a horse a horse? Yeah, and again. The diversity of breeds that we have in our study doesn't allow us to answer that. Yeah. But it certainly, from an observational point of view, uh, seems to hold up uh, for sure. That there that and, there is uh, a breed difference? That there is a breed difference. Yeah, and, like a thoroughbred's going to be different yeah. than a Mustang uh, that way. Yeah, yeah. But we, yeah, but we don't really have data that we can say that in the endurance world. Right. It's just not enough thoroughbreds in the endurance world. Right, Karen? Yeah, or anything. <laughs> or yeah, anything or, else, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, you know, I uh, think uh, we're beginning to see uh, more and more Mustangs, and maybe we can begin to uh, pool some data to, to look at that. The winner at uh, Virginia City was a Mustang, and not only did that uh, horse win, it won by hours. I mean, it was way ahead of the group. And um, uh, so it, there is a reason to speculate, but uh, we have to, we don't have the data to say which uh, really hydrator uh, better or, or not. Right. But at least we can still learn how to better manage our horses when we're traveling with them. Like you said, to stop every four hours and offer water and food. Right. And uh, try and condition them for that. I mean, I think we we have to be consistent for them to learn, just like our consistency and other aspects of training. Uh, we have to uh, have the patience and the persistence to eventually get it to work. And I don't know that uh, very many of us have really done that. Right. I know I always plan ahead two or three days by offering extra wet mashes with extra salt or electrolytes. And um, I've got my horses drinking sweet water now, which they love, and it really helps add to their hydration. Good, good. Well, I think those are things that we need to really explore and then measure uh, to see how we're really doing. And uh, the the great thing about weighing is that um, the horses take to it very easily. I mean, we've mm-hmm. experienced the horse that absolutely will not get on the scale. Uh, we have some that are a little hesitant, but eventually they they do it and uh, quite safely. 
Good. So um, you've, you're planning right now, hopefully, on doing another research project at Tevis this, yes. this year? Yes, uh, we're hoping to. Yes, uh, we have an application in, and we're waiting to hear if they're going to enable us to do that. Great, great. Well, thank you yeah. again for joining us. I really appreciate you coming on the show. And um, are you still writing any endurance yourself right now? Yes, uh, it it seems to dwindle a little bit every year, but we uh, hold out high hopes every year that we'll be out for lots of riding. So we're still doing it. Good and we have you. actually some great horses. So we're looking forward to the season. Well, good luck. Thank you. Well, of course, when you head up to the 20 Mule Team ride, you're going to be bringing your Renegade Hoop Boots, won't you? Yes, I will. And uh, they're a, a neat product made um, specifically, they were designed for barefoot horses. And my horses have been barefoot, as you know, everybody knows, since I talk about it all the time on the show. Um, they've been barefoot for, oh my gosh, since the early 2000s or so, 2005 or six. So um, what's that, like a dozen years or more? Mm-hmm. And they've done nearly almost their entire careers wearing um, hoof boots. Uh, the Renegades are nice. They're, they're a strap-on boot. They are made in the United States. They come in several different colors. They have two models, the uh, regular classic Renegade boot and the Viper boot, Um you know, it de- so it's going to depend on the exact shape of your horse's hoof as to which model is going to work best. Fortunately for me, both models work well on my horses. Uh, they're very easy to use. They strap on in Velcro. Um, the the kid, she's 11. She has no problem at all putting the boots on and taking them off, which is really kind of nice. And to learn more about them or to place an order or get help, go to renegadehoofboots.com. Very good. Renegadehoofboots.com. And now we're going to go to our second guest here on the endurance episode of Horses in the Morning with Karen Chatton. And I'm Glenn the Geek. And let's head over there. Okay, my next guest is Lori McIntosh. She is a health and wellness coach and an endurance writer, and we are going to be talking to her about radiant longevity, which is the topic that she's going to be covering at the upcoming AERC National Convention. Okay, so tell us a little bit about um, how to keep ourselves as riders staying in the saddle long term. Yes, well, do you want me to tell you a little bit why I'm doing this and sure. how I got here? Uh-huh. Okay. Well, first, I just noticed too, being a horse owner for the just past ten years, where they live with me, that I really learned a lot about health just from watching them and trying to emulate what they do. Even though we live longer, um, especially the endurance horse and particularly the Arabian, they do really well for longevity. Mm-hmm. And and I'm a former occupational therapist and pharmaceutical rep. So it's kind of, uh, I, I tell people sometimes I'm, I was on the dark side, but um, it, it's still a really good industry to be in Western medicine because it can be incredibly helpful. And uh, it just leaves the door wide open for getting, I guess, for people to take advantage of in regards to, I just want a pill versus take an right. active role. And uh, you can't really have radiant longevity if you're into pills. <laughs> <laughs> And But they do have their needs. I have a dad who's 89 and a mother who's 85, and they have pretty good quality of life. 
but um, they need medication to keep going. So I think um, Western medicine is really important. So I just want to clarify that. And now I'm a health, I'm a yoga health coach and I'm certified and I've gone that direction because I had a lot of health issues myself that I couldn't find the answer and the Western side, cause they were kind of insignificant. And I knew that over time I was going to have pain and I was going to be suffering when I got older. And I didn't want that to happen because I want to ride a horse as long as I can. Mm-hmm. And so, and then just to go back a little, like my dad was a workaholic and my mother sadly was kind of addicted to Valium because that was the drug of choice back in the sixties and she just stayed on it forever. (laughs) So I did not want that. And so now I focus on habits of just teaching people how to have good habits because I didn't have good habits and I wasn't putting myself first. I didn't really know about self-care. I didn't know how to rest. I just knew how to take care of horses and work a lot. And mm-hmm. that can bring you down over time. And so the the thing about habits is just to help people learn how to commit to self-care just within our natural clocks, like our horses have. And then easily, I mean, I feel like we'd constantly fight it because we have alarm clocks. We have curtains to shut when the sun comes up. We have lights to keep us up longer and later. And then we have peer pressure, of course, to go out and eat late and drink some beer when it's just too late and you should be in bed instead, we don't have that like farmer lifestyle anymore because of the industrial revolution. And that's why we're just getting sicker and sicker as we age instead of feeling better and amazing, which is what our bodies are meant to do. And uh, through the habits, I'd love to talk about Kaizen because we do that in the horse world. When we train a horse, we halter them, we start petting them and grooming them and we take care of them and then we put the saddle on and then we ride them and then we ride an endurance a short distance like a fun ride then we go to a limited distance in the 50s and we progress really slowly and so I do that in my own life with my own habits and that's called kaizen it's a Japanese word and it just means small continuous improvements and as you know Karen it works really well in endurance right mm-hmm Plus, on her jumping world in dressage and eventing, which I used to do in college, and Jim uh, Kana and Western Pleasure. It all kind of goes together. And then I teach, and this, these are topics I'll cover during my lecture, and I will be talking fast like I am now because I have so much to share. Uh-huh. And uh, they actually said, do you want 75 minutes? I'm like, no, I'll just do 60. And then I'm like, oh, I wish I took 75, <laughs> but I was nervous. So um, I'll talk about high motivation versus low, to make, low motivation. Like how to get you know, these habits you don't really want to do or you just constantly forget when to do it and when to incorporate it in your daily life. Because, you know, your life today is just essentially it's a sum of your habits. Like how in shape or out of shape are you? That's a result of your day-to-day habits, whether you're going to be fit or not fit or in your ideal body or overweight or too thin. And we all come in different sizes. And I, I teach people how to to just go according to how they are. Because a 200-pound person is not going to be the same as a 120-pound person, what they do day-to-day to stay in shape. Mm-hmm. So I'll definitely be talking about movement for who you are. And I'll just give three descriptions about, you know, kind of like a large person, medium-sized person, and a tiny person. And that's what we all kind of come down to overall with give and take here and there. And then about, I'm not really going to talk about how happy or unhappy you are, but it is a result of your habits. And if you don't take care of yourself, you're probably going to be unhappy because you're going to be in pain and suffering, (laughs) not riding your horse. 
And that's what you want. And then again, like success versus unsuccessful. That's a result of your habits. Whatever you repeatedly do, what you spend time thinking about and doing each day, that ultimately forms the person you are, who you believe and the personality that you're going to portray. They even say, oh, the, the sum of five people you hang out with is who you are, which um, could be true for some, but I certainly don't think it's for, for everyone. And uh, what else can I tell you? I'm talking a lot. Well, I'm doing all right then. I hang, out with Karen. I, hang out with, <laughs> I hang out with Karen, so I'm doing okay. Uh, I think. All right, yeah. <laughs> you just got to find four more good people. Oh, darn. Man, I got to do Where's- that now? Worst <laughs> <Horse> people. <laughs> and I, I wanted to talk a little bit about the habits because they, um, I think they're really important. And I, I like to just point out the three R's. And to get there, you just give yourself a reminder, like a trigger, whatever initiates your behavior. Like grooming your horse before you saddle it, you know you're going to ride it. And then what's your routine is going to getting everything, your gear together in your trailer, make sure you have gas so you have a successful ride wherever you're going to go. And then, of course, your reward is the benefit you gain from actually going out and riding. And it's just all, we do it automatically for our horses and, uh, and to make sure that they, are, they achieve success, but we tend to ignore ourselves. I think so many women especially put themselves second and if they're mothers, they even put themselves totally last. Right. In fact, you've got to put yourself first. And that would be, and again, with the horse, just living in nature's rhythms according, not to their clock, but the clock that works best for you. Right. I gave my junior a Fitbit watch and told her to, you know, start out with the lower goal and then work up to doing over like 10,000 steps a day. And she loves to come and show off when she's got like 20,000 steps. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) that is 20,000 steps the first week, I bet. Probably not, but uh, I know she's busy at home taking care of horses there as well as when she comes over to my place for the day to ride and do chores and stuff like that. So um, I get what you're saying about having a, you know, um, setting aside your goals and having a way to, you know, check yourself and make sure you're actually um, accomplishing what you want to accomplish. Right, because then you'll get successful. You can, and there's so many ways you can write it down. You can mm-hmm. uh, have it in your phone. And for me, I like to do, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about food and just eating with the seasons and not relate it to any sort of fad. And people could be raw, vegan, it can be paleo or keto even, but it's more of just eating with the seasons. And again, what's right for your body type, but I can only go so far because I'll have a, a broad audience. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then it's, it's kind of talking about how to eat and when to eat versus just what to eat. And like your, your junior, when is she doing her steps? Ideally, it's great to get your best exercise in from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m., for example. Okay. Because so many people let life, a junior will have an easier lifestyle than a 50-year-old woman, not as many time commitments maybe or um, responsibilities, but I know as an older adult, it's super hard to get what you want done later in the day versus in the morning. And that's right. just another example. And then we definitely want to maintain our strength and flexibility as we age, and that's what gives you that radiant longevity or you could even say just aging gracefully. 
And right. uh, I actually, I, I have a call that I need to make with Julie Sir before I speak because I know that she's going to give me some some awesome tidbits. Like I've never forgot how she said, oh, I eat wheat thins and dried apricots. I got my sugar and my sweet one. I'm on the trail. And I, I might going to ask if I can share that, but just modify it to like mm-hmm. current times so it's a little bit healthier because both of those things to me aren't healthy anymore. They used to be because there weren't any options beyond that. But now there's better stuff. Right. And Julie is still writing and isn't she like 95 or six now? No, I think so. She was in the Rose Bowl parade at age 90 just last year. So oh, she would be no. 91 or maybe 92. That's t- I, after right? 90, who cares? It, it's just, you know. Right. Okay. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, she's in her 90s. I think you, you start know, going backwards after 90. Like, <laughs> right, right. And the fact that she rode a horse she never met in a parade like that is <laughs> mind blowing. I know. She was very brave. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of people are like, oh, my God, I would never, ever want to be riding my name. Well, I hope I didn't age her too too much. (laughs) But, but yeah, she's an excellent example of uh, a writer longevity, that's for sure. Yes, yes. So, hopefully, um, I'll have more than a couple people come to my lecture (laughs) like the last one on Saturday and uh, I'm hoping that people will be interested because when I do free talks for people I um, I pretty much have them engaged and they're listening and they make and then right. I see them a couple months later and they're like oh I did this and this but they just then they pick and choose things that um, make them curious or that they want to experiment with and they just stick with that but it's always good to to get all of it in and for right. me um, it's 10 habits is what I do it's great to have, you know, the goals and somebody to help inspire us, you, you know, so that we are getting out even in the middle of winter, even if the weather is bad, um, because we know we have to, because it's so easy to, to you know, be lazy and not follow through. But if we have, like, we know we have an upcoming endurance ride, for example, then that tends to get us motivated and, and get us out there. And, and like you mentioned before, we got, we have to keep the horses going and build them up slowly. We can't just let them sit and then expect them to go out. And and we can't really do that with us either. We need to, you know, um, get ourselves moving and, and, uh, get our habits <laughs> going. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. And, uh, and drinking beer and eating, um, a ton of, uh, evil food at your campsite. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't normally happen, but I mean, you got to live your life. If you're going to meet your friends and you traveled really far, then it's, and it could be the only time you're able to take off work, then sure. It's going to be a party. And then you just got to make sure you can handle your horse the next day and that your crew is definitely going to be there because sometimes they could bail. You never know. I did a hundred with by myself. Let me clarify. Are you saying that's good or bad? Because (laughs) I just, I'm supposed to do that, right? That's what you're saying. Yes. Because Glenn's going on a cruise soon and I have gone on a cruise and, uh, you know, (laughs) eating and drinking are the things I'm planning on doing. And sitting by the pool. I think you should, Glenn. You should party hard and make the most of it. And okay, then when good. you get back, just get ease back into the, the good habits that you've already implemented before. So there's where so she... That's where there, ties in. I great. love you because you're assuming I have good habits. And that's... <laughs> I, I love you for that. <laughs> I always see the best in everyone. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, gosh. Even though I don't see you. 
<laughs> well, Lori, it's been fun talking to you. Thanks for joining us. And, and I wish you success at uh, your all of your upcoming rides this season and at your lecture at the convention. Will you be there? Yes. Oh, I'll good. be there. I'll be seeking you out. Okay. <laughs> uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> You're committed now, Karen. <laughs> Thank you, Lori. Yes. Thanks, Lori. Yeah, I will you, see guys. you next month. That was fun. All right. All right. Bye. All right, bye. bye. So, what's upcoming in the calendar for endurance? I guess things are starting to happen. Well, next month we have the AERC National Convention, which is Friday, March 9th and Saturday, March 10th. The convention is always a lot of fun because you're going to see endurance riders there looking like normal people. They're going to be clean and wearing regular clothing. (laughs) You might not even recognize some of them. (laughs) (laughs) Clean, I like that. But the fun part is they do the national awards, the regional awards. Um, they have AARC board members meetings and all sorts of different speakers on lots of fun topics. Uh, um, the, I'll just run through a couple of okay. them really quick. Um, when good drugs do bad things. And most all of the speakers this year are veterinarians or PhDs. So these are people that are experts in their fields that are going to be providing a lot of really good education that you can only get, you know, um, you know, on these topics relating to endurance in one place in two days. It's really a, a good um place to go and learn whether you're new or you've been in the sport for years and years because they're talking about the latest research and the newest things that they've been learning. Um, one of the topics was about drugs. Then there's a, a GI ultrasound study report. I guess they ultrasounded a bunch of 100-mile horses on rides in order to try to determine if there was, um, you know, what the risk factors were as far as them getting into trouble on the ride. Um, there's a session on uh, trail markings. Um, there's one on tying up the causes and treatments. Um, current topics, um, uh, from Joe Pagan, who is from Kentucky Equine Research, the current topics on equine nutrition, um, the dehydration tipping point with Dr. Gillespie, um, the origin of the 100-mile ride, and, of course, the longevity for rider topic. So so there's a lot, lot going on there. So be sure to check it out. You can go to aerc.org. To learn more, we also have coming up in June, on June 2nd and 3rd at the Harvey Bear Park in Santa Clara County, California, a two-day clinic, including riding, um, overnight camping is encouraged. So if you're new to the sport, you know, go check this out and you can go find information on upcoming clinics also on the AERC.org website. And this clinic is going to take the entire weekend to emulate a real live endurance ride. And so it's going to include checking in, vetting in, uh, they're going to have a potluck dinner, a ride meeting, introductory rides. And of course, um, and this is hosted by Nick Warhol and his wife, Judy. And um, I know they're going to do a great job because they have um, been ride managers in the past and they really know what they're doing. They're very experienced. So this would be a great opportunity for anybody that's you know within a day's driving distance of sort of central middle california to go and check it out 
Very good. Well, thank you so much, Karen, for joining me again here on the Endurance Day. As I said, we are on the cruise right now, the Horse Lovers Cruise, with 40 of our listeners. And uh, today, let me think, we are on the private island down in the Caribbean of uh, Royal Caribbean. Wow. So, Coco Cay Beach. Uh, we just had a beach day today. And I think some of them went out to play with dolphins and uh, manatees and things like that. So, we will, uh, tomorrow, uh, we'll be in Key West all day tomorrow. We have a fun day planned. Actually, Jemmy and I, who do the Finding Florida podcast, are taking a whole group with us, and we're actually recording a Finding Florida podcast in Key West tomorrow. So we're going to be making a bunch of stops and dragging everybody along with us. So it should be a lot of fun. Uh, We have recorded shows for you the rest of the week, so be sure to listen in for those, and then we'll be back live next Monday. You can find all the past episodes of horse, of the Endurance uh, Show by going to horsesinthemorning.com. That, scroll down the middle of the page. You'll see all kinds of little banners there. Click on Endurance, and that will bring you to all the past episodes. You can go listen to all of them. And, of course, Karen can be found at? KarenChatton.com. KarenChatton.com. That's simple and easy. So thank you, everybody. Take care. You can find our app iOS or Android, just search for Horse Radio Network. It's free and it's easy. It's the simplest way to listen to all 16 of our shows. Thanks, Karen. Thanks, Glenn. Have a good ride, everyone. (laughs) 